Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back for another episode. It is I, Scott Wildcat, Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, is sitting shotgun, and we are back. This is the first episode in a long time that is being recorded, uh, you know, somewhat close to the the time frame it is going to be released. Um, Spent some time on a family vacation, a long family vacation in the great state of Hawaii with my family. Um, it was a blast. It was a ball. Um, but we're back, back in Kansas. And, and I tell you what, there, there's nothing quite like that first night getting to sleep in your own bed after a long trip. And I'm happy to be back. Uh, you, you get this kind of sense of relief once you're back in the home state of Kansas, or at least I do. So it is Great to be back. We're going to touch on uh, the current state of K-State football recruiting. Uh, as I'm rec- recording this, two massive visitors on campus. Uh, basketball workouts, summer workouts officially began. Only eight guys on the roster, so I'll kind of walk through my thoughts on that. Then there was some uh, big official news with the Big 12 that dropped since we last talked. And... Uh, a little bit of uh, nothing official, but it's coming from good sources uh, as to what the basketball uh, schedule is going to look like when we're at 14 and then 12 members again. So that's the outline. That's what we're gonna go. Uh, what, what I'm gonna talk about today, as always, tweet at Bosco's Boys at Sky Wildcat. Sign the DM. Send them out there uh, if you uh, have opinions on anything I said. Also, the live show is back. I missed it, you guys. Um, and also, that that Wednesday where I was out in Hawaii, I almost, I was just like, man, you know, sh- should I, should I, like, you know, should I just hop on? Should I, should I just do a live show? But I didn't. I didn't do it. But I missed talking to you guys. I did. It, 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 I had so much fun talking with the Boneheads every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on ColorCast, and we are back. We are back like we never left. And honestly, outside of, I mean, there might be a scenario in which 
I have to move something to a Tuesday or Thursday, but we will not go a week without a live show for rest of the year. For the next six months, we will have a live show every single week. And this week is Wednesday, 7 p.m. So let's get into it. Um, We're going to start football recruiting. Um, So the first thing that you got to touch on, and it's the first real, uh, you know, recruiting loss of this cycle that kind of stings. That's Joe Odding, currently the number seven ranked player in the state of Kansas, the single greatest uh, prep class of Kansas kids, maybe of all time, choosing to go to Notre Dame. Um, He was part of the group that I dubbed the Ad Astra All-Star. So that's that first loss for Coach Kleiman um, this season that really stings. And I, I, I think you're, you saw K-State fans react to this uh, about as level-headed as any fan base does when losing a high-profile in-state kid. Um, he, he goes to Topeka Hayden, so you knew you had that draw to go play for Notre Dame, and I understand it. But I think part of the reason why K-State fans are handling this as well as it does is you look at the offensive line, and you know you are going to be okay. You are going to be fine whether you had Joe Odding or not because Connor Riley is great. He, he is the single greatest position coach we've had at K-State in a very long time, and I have all the faith in the world of him uh, not only finding great guys, because again, one of our best recruits were offensive linemen. Like in, in the climbing era, some of the best recruits we've grabbed are late offensive linemen finds. So I, I have no doubt we're going to be fine there. And again, Connor Riley just knows how to coach guys up. You know, you already have Camden Beebe in the fold, who, if you talk to talent evaluators, is way beyond what his brother was going into his senior season. So I believe we're going to be okay there. Now, does it suck? Yeah. You know, the, the dreams of having, you know, if you look at the top 12 in the state and grabbing like six or seven of them, probably gone without Joe Auding. But that doesn't mean that, you know, the position K-State football is in is any worse. It's not, it's not making me panic. You still have the ability to have maybe the single greatest football recruiting class, what? I think 2004 was super highly rated, but like we're talking like the best one in the last, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years. You know, that that is very much still on the table and they're positioning themselves to be in that situation. And Joe Wadding does not change that. Now, the guy that does change that, and this is where I think all K-State fans who cover, follow recruiting at all, and, and i, I got to give my episode shout-out to K-State Online, Drew and D.Y. have you covered over there. Please check out our friends over at K-State Online. But this is where I think K-State fans are going to be super nervous. Currently, as I'm recruiting, recording this and I think he'll still be on campus on release day four star number one in the new rivals rankings the number one prospect in the state of Kansas Avery Johnson is on his recruiting visit four star he's out of maze we've talked about him on the live shows we've talked about him on you know this show quite a few times quite a few times um so 
I'm excited. I, I, I hope we get them. But but where all K-State fans are nervous, uh, they're, they're looking at his eventual trip out to Oregon. Oregon just lost out on Rashada, who was the quarterback they were really chasing. So this is truly a head-to-head matchup with Oregon for a four-star quarterback out of Wichita. So it's basically the Chris Harper recruitment all over again. Only difference is Avery Johnson – Pure quarterback, not wide receiver. But, you know, you can't help but feel a little nervous. Now, Taylor Bratt, especially since this is a Kansas kid, Chris Kleiman, Colin Klein, all of these coaches have done everything perfectly up until this point. Can they close it up? Avery Johnson has said he's going to take his visits. He's going to commit before the Elite 11. Um, This is all over the place. I'm not breaking any news. But I'm right there with K-State fans who talk about how nervous they are and how, uh, I don't want to say pessimistic, but you're, you have, you're almost in you have to see it to believe it news. Because Chris Kleiman has taken, as we saw just this spring, with some of our recruiting uh, portal and junior college recruiting wins, going head-to-head with LSU, USC, uh, Arizona going in there and getting some of these guys in high profile recruiting battles. But now we're in a position where we are going head to head with one of the sexiest programs. You know, they have the Oregon money, they have all those jerseys, they have everything that K State is. And, and you know what? That's fine. You're going up against your antithesis in Oregon. And if you can pull that off, that just opens up a whole new world and gives K-State fans and probably even the coaches more confidence. And it shows these recruits out there, especially the next, you know, borderline five-star, the next national recruitment in the state of Kansas, hey, it is cool to stay at K-State. You don't have to go to Oregon to think you're all that. And now no one knows exactly, you know, what sort of, quarterback Avery Johnson is actually going to be you know that's the funny thing about quarterbacks and how recruiting as a whole you know the the best you know quarterback I've seen you know I mean actually we've seen three truly great quarterback you know you have Michael Bishop who had to go through junior college you have Josh Freeman who is the five star set all these records you have Colin Klein who was considered a pro-style quarterback by recruiting services, played a year at wide receiver, and then basically was a you know a single-wing type quarterback. And then you have everything in between of guys who have had the recruiting pet pedigree and work out the ones that don't who do. So I have no idea if Avery Johnson commits to K-State, if he is going to be a day-one starter in the next Ring of Honor quarterback, or if he never plays it down. But getting that momentum in a guy like Avery Johnson, who these Midwest, these Kansas and Kansas City kids, they're attracted. And there's just this pull of Avery Johnson on the guys. I think if you see him, it opens up the doors for, you know, some of these Kansas City area wide receivers. Josh Manning, a four-star wide receiver uh, from the Missouri side of the Metro. He's on campus this week as well. You know, high-quality players want to play with other high-quality players. So, you see Avery Johnson commit, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw a four-star wide receiver, four-star running back joining up with him. 
That's just how this type of stuff goes. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you look around and you're stacking your recruiting class with a handful of four stars and winning battles for some of the biggest and sexiest programs in the country. And that is a program definer. That's a program changer. I think it's a moment that we've been waiting for and wanting for or wanting from Chris Kyman and, and, and this coaching staff since they showed up. Are we ever going to be recruiting at a top 25 level? Probably not. But if all of a sudden you can say, hey, no, when you have highly rated four stars in your backyard, in your state, in Kansas City, it's not wild to think that you can win national recruitments. And that's the message that would be sent if they can get this home. I'm excited for it, and I will be on pins and needles basically for the next two, three weeks until that decision is made. Now, in kind of a less, and that wasn't like a super positive note, it's more like excitement just waiting for it to happen with football. You do look at basketball, and I can't help but be a little frustrated, a little disappointed uh, to see where the roster's sitting right now. This isn't the first time I've expressed a little bit of disappointment. Um, I will talk about why I'm not, ho- I'm, I'm still very much hopeful I'm not, uh, I'm not hitting the eject button at all. I I selected my seats for season tickets. I still am over the moon excited for the Jerome Tang era. But but it's it's hard to, at least short term. And again, I, I think when you saw what Iowa State did, even what Oklahoma did, even though they didn't get to the tournament, they were right there on the cusp. Seeing what these coaches are doing, turning over almost entire rosters and what they do in their first season... It's hard to just sit back and say, oh, no, you can't hope and you can't expect and you can't demand, you know, making a run at the postseason in year one in college basketball anymore. You you can't do that. With the transfer portal the way it is, you can't do that. Now, I think the six guys that they've brought in, they've all been brought in for a specific purpose. I think Jerome Tang, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that recruit with a shotgun type effort going after just fill it all up we actually saw it you know down the right missouri dennis gates was exactly like that he sprinted to try to get 13 scholarships filled and he did that good for him jerome tang has been going out at this with a scalpel being so precise being so exact and even sending away some guys who are ready to commit when either he decided or something came up uh, to that they weren't going to be part of this program, either long-term, didn't like something, short-term, didn't think that their game was an elevation of talent enough. And I think that is going to be great, absolutely great for the program long-term. And I understand completely why you don't want to sell your soul and go all out for year one. I get that. I think you're going to see Iowa State, I think, and again, maybe this is my Iowa State coming through, but I I, I think you're going to see Iowa State kind of maybe struggle for the next couple years unless they can find, you know, Brockerton, which again wasn't some high-profile transfer. They, they, They found a gem there. They got a little lucky there. But they're turning over their roster completely all over again. 
Now, if Jerome Tang can create a culture where kids aren't leaving, especially, you know, transferring inside the conference, and if he can find, you know, guys that he's not having to run off after one year, we're going to be much better off in the long term because of that. But it is tough to look at a roster that legitimately cannot play five on five. Like, at all. You, you can't do it. Um, and you kind of scratch your head and you're like, oh, man. What's going on here? And, and all the dates have come and gone uh, where, where we tell ourselves, okay, you know, you just have to hold on. You just have to wait. You just have to get past the NBA draft deadline. Oh, you just got to get past the the May 1st uh, transfer, June 1st sit-out deadline. You know, all this stuff has come and passed, come and gone, excuse me. And you're still sitting with just eight guys. And, and I think that would be a shame if this season did turn out to be, you know, disappointing. If it turned out to be, you know, another bottom of the Big 12 type season. If you aren't even sniffing the bubble. If you're like, oh man, can we find our way into the NIT late in the season? Um, because you finally have fan excitement back around this program. You have Bramlage being renovated once again to add more premium seats because the demand is so high there. You have fans buying season tickets again. You know, you have Wichita State coming into on the schedule, uh, you know, in Kansas City. You have the last ever round-robin season in the Big 12. You have fun games you know, beginning to end on this schedule. And I just think it would be a lost, you know, momentum chance if it was just a little bit more of the same when it comes to results. Now, Jerome Tang said it. He said it in interviews. He said it in his introductory press conference. Uh, while he said he wasn't brought here to rebuild, he was here to elevate, he does talk about how he isn't here to win in year one. He's here to build a program that can compete and win a national title. Now, I hope he gets there. And, and I don't and again, ultimately, when it's all said and done, whether or not they go six and twelve in the Big Twelve this year, and uh, you know, end up not even in the NIT, is that going to make a difference of what his tra- trajectory is long term? Probably not. But again, when you finally have this surge back of fans for the first time since, what, going into the Big 12 championship season? You know, since, you know, the first game of that Big 12 championship season, you have the entire fan base, or at least 90% of the fan base pulling in the right direction for basketball. It would just be a shame if you lost that momentum in just year one. And, and you know what? If it does, so be it. I, I do believe in him, and I believe in the staff. And if you look at the type of guys that they're in on for 2023, I mean, they're fishing in the biggest waters. And I, th- I think that uh, if maybe we all came in with a little bit more level-headedness, maybe I wouldn't have a little bit of this feeling of disappointment looking at the roster right now. And I know a lot of you are. Um, but 2023 recruiting seems to be looking very good. 
So I'm, I'm hoping and really praying and really just hoping they find a way to fill in, you know, three more guys, get up to 11. I think 12 would be a stretch. I don't see any way they're at, they're at 13. But they need a few more guards, and I, I just hope that they can get to a level where they can compete. They can especially beat Wichita State, beat Nebraska. Put ourselves in a position where you don't have to be – you know, close to perfect in Big 12 play in the sense of winning all your home games and picking off a road game to get to the tournament. I just I just want to be on the bubble towards the end, and I just want that feeling again. I hope we can get there. I don't know if we are. Uh, but, but, but it's not great to be sitting here after summer workouts starting. You only have eight guys. We'll see what happens. Talk about... Uh, some stuff that happened in the Big 12 over the last week or some news, years, all that type of stuff. Remember, we're going live 7 p.m. Central Time Zone. That is 5 per, or five o'clock out there with Cali Cat in the Pacific Time Zone. It is 6 p.m. with Colorado Cole in the Mountain Time Zone. And it is 8 p.m. with Chef, the good chef out in the Eastern Time Zone. We are Coast to coast in Bonehead Nation, but it'll always be 7 p.m. in God's time zone right here in the central time zone on ColorCast for the live show, and it's back. All right. First, the two pieces of news in the uh, Big 12. One we knew. One was just, uh, you know, hey, nice to see. And then something that is being reported out at. Um, I guess actually technically four. Uh, so first... We're going to start with the news. It became official, became official that the four new members will be part of the Big 12 for the 2023-2024 season. And then, folks, time is basically already coming past. I don't see any chance that Texas and Oklahoma are not in the conference for that season. Now, what happens in 2024, we'll have to wait and see. But that means we're going to have at least one season. And I still think it's going to be two with 14 teams. Now, this has been rumored for a while. Uh, this isn't anything groundbreaking, but it did become official. The other thing that is pure news. Uh, well, actually, no, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of switch things. The other thing that came out is they're hoping to have the new conference commissioner hired by mid-July. My guess is they're going to make an announcement uh, the week of, because Big 12 Media Days, I think, is Tuesday, Wednesday this year. I think you're going to hear something either the Friday before or the Monday before of who the new conference commissioner is, and I think that you will have that announced in the first press conference at Big 12 Media Days. I also have a hypothesis that they're going to present the first football schedule. I think we will have the full conference schedule for 2023 also announced either right before or right after big 12 media days. And again, I'm really hoping we don't fuck around and do divisions right when everyone else is getting back to the point where it's one versus two in the conference championship game. I hope we don't screw this up and go divisions. I, I, as everyone knows, I'm a big pod guy. Uh, I want to play KU, Iowa state, Oklahoma state every single year, rotate through everyone else. Uh, so that is what I'm hoping for. Um, the other thing that did drop, and I, it was on uh, the same day, I, I, at least I think it was the same day, uh, where, no, it wasn't. It, so this was on June 
Uh, third, the Big 12 got a record $426 million in TV revenue this past year. So each school is going to get almost $43 million. This was a record for the Big 12. And I I know, I know, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's going to go down so much after Oklahoma and Texas leaves. I'm just not convinced of that. And first off, that 42 point, or 42.6, almost $43 million, doesn't include Tier 3 rights, which Oklahoma and Texas had their big deals uh, outside of ESPN. The other eight had theirs with ESPN for ESPN+. Plus. So most schools are up, and I would say every school is up over $45 million. That is puts the Big 12 as the number three conference when it comes to revenue. In college, in all of college sports. Now, I know the mass media wants you to think, oh, it's going to go from that down to like $10 million per school when Texas and Oklahoma leaves, and that's just not the case. I think there's a very real chance that even after Oklahoma and Texas leaves, we are going to still be the third, maybe even fourth highest paid conference. I do not think, first off, the ACC is locked in their conference or TV contract. Probably the, the Big 12 probably have their second TV negotiation with the new conference before the ACC gets another one. So we're going to get paid more than the ACC. And the Pac-12 sucks. So I, I, I don't want to hear it. I, I would not be shocked if we're still in that $40 million range even after Oklahoma and Texas leaves. And again, we'll be fighting this battle side by side with our conference brethren, basically everyone except for KU, because they their fans are obsessed with acting like they're too good for the conference. They're idiots. That's a generalization. I love my brother and my mom and my Aunt Julie. But rest of their fans are idiots um, for trying to act like they're bigger and better than the Big 12. That Oh, the, the Big 10 just waiting on That's trash. So I, I think we're still going to be in that $40 million range, and we're, we're going to get to fight with the entire college football, college sports world um, about – what the Big 12's worthiness and place is amongst college sports. So I'm looking for, forward to that. But but that is a good number to see. It's good to see revenues bounce back post-COVID. Uh, you feel good for the folks who work at the athletic departments, um, especially one at K-State that went so bare bones. It brought back, I think, almost everyone uh, out of the pandemic. Gene Taylor got through that great uh, and now to see record revenue numbers get get K-State back to being as healthy as they are dollars and cents wise, feels good to see that. Now, the, the thing that was being kind of rumored out there is John Rothstein, Stein, whatever his name is. And if this is accurate, I think it is the first big mistake that the Big 12 has made. Now... It does signal that they are going to do the right thing, the correct thing, when it comes to football scheduling. So that is nice. But I think this is the first big mistake the Big 12 has made since news broke that Oklahoma and Texas were going to leave. Now, the report was that they are only going to have 18 games instead of going up to 20. And that's the part I don't like. But also that you will have your 
three quote-unquote protected rivals, pods, whatever we want to call them. You'll play those three games, home and away, there's six. And then your other 12 games will rotate amongst the other conference mates. So, for when you have the 14 teams, you'll have those three games, then amongst the other 10, you'll start a rotation to make up your other 12 games. Now, it's, it's not a big deal. Two conference games versus... Two extra conference games versus non-con games. I get it. But ever since the Big Ten went to 20 conference games, have you guys seen what's happened with them? Now that they haven't done great in March Madness. But they've... You know, they have had big-time bid numbers. And I think this is a miscalculation by the Big 12. I wanted to go up to 20. I think that is the way to go. But it does give flexibility, but I do think it is important for conference for our conference to really make sure that we keep on scheduling well in the non-conference to try to stay up at that number 1 RPI, number 1 net status. For the conference. Now, we saw it wasn't everything because Oklahoma was robbed a bit, at least in my opinion, of an NCAA tournament spot. Um, but I, I do think it is going to be important if, if we're not going up to 20, like the Big Ten did, that K-State, like Jerome Tang, really does need to make sure that we keep these high-profile games. And now... I say high profile, but Wichita State and Nebraska, they're not going to do our net any favors. You know, those are high profile for the fans because the fans like those games. You know, playing Nebraska in Kansas City is going to be fun. Playing Wichita State in Bramlage is going to be fun. But if we're not going up to those 20 conference games, we do need to get back to the point where kind of back like under Frank Martin, even the early Bruce Weber games where we were playing a game in Kansas City versus Florida, and then we play them in Orlando. You know, you play, you know, Gonzaga in Wichita, and then you play Gonzaga back, uh, oh man, where did, in in, in Seattle. You know, you got to get back to doing those types of games uh, if you ever want to get back in the conversations of, okay, not just bubble, but talking about seeding and all that type of stuff. I do think it was a mistake. I think the Big 12, especially the new Big 12, is going to be the single greatest basketball league ever constructed. I think this is going to be an elite basketball league. It already is, and I think it's only going to get better. So I just think it's a little bit disappointing that we're going to be sitting in a spot where we're not going to maximize it. Now, I'll get over that if... My assumption is correct, and this is signaling that we are going to have three protected rivals in football, and I know we're staying in a nine-game football schedule. So I'll get over it. I'll get over it. So that's really about all I had on my list for today. Hopefully we get another fun turnout after a week off when it comes to the live show. I'm looking forward to that. Wednesday, 7 p.m. 
Love the Boneheads. Love talking about this again. Uh, we have a big July, and then we got a big August with Blitz Month coming back. We are going to have more shows than you guys know what to deal with You know, in the coming months. Going to try to get a couple special releases June as well, so stay tuned. We love you guys. I hope you enjoyed hearing Grant again last Wednesday. Metaphorically, because I, I had someone tweet at me, you know, metaphorically, Grant is always going to be at the cat head. You just got to go find him. Had someone who was actually at the cat head and Grant wasn't there. So I had to have a tough conversation, but it's more of like a state of mind. You know, Grant not on Twitter, not actually at the cat head, but you know, metaphorically, he's there. We love you guys. For Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, I'm Scott Wildcat. Let's rock, let's roll, let's have ourselves a week. Talk to you on Wednesday. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Podcast Network.